Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game, numbers, and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm this, 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 this the, the real deal. And you know I got a shout out to Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max. Sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! And what is up, Nerd Mafia? And welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. I'm stoked that you guys are here because it's going to be an excellent show. I got a phenomenal guest for you today. And we're going to be uh, talking to one of the OGs of the fantasy world. Uh, Mr. Jeff Hasley is joining me today. We're going to be getting into fantasy, obviously. You know, why wouldn't when we got a pro? You got to talk fantasy, but we're also going to get into some Carolina Panthers because Jeff's a Panthers fan. And, you know, of course, we're going to finish out with the greatest team in the land, the Buffalo Bills, right? That because we have to. That's just how this thing goes. It's my show. So anyways, thanks for being here, everybody. Jeff, thanks for taking your time and coming and hanging out with us. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Oh, wow. Let's see. Uh, Well, yeah, thanks for having me on, Colt. I appreciate it. Looking forward to this, uh, as always. Um, I, uh, let's see, I've, I've, you can find my work at footballguys.com. I've worked with football guys since 2007. So it's been a while. Um, I do articles there, of course, uh, in the off season, I do lots of rankings, you name it, all kinds of rankings, um, standard PPR, rookie, IDP, all of that dynasty. Um, so, uh, right now I'm, I'm, kind of uh, you know putting all that stuff together uh, we do a lot of collaborative pieces as well with the staff where you know, like we might be talking about like your your value plays at each position your overvalued players who are your deep sleepers um, who would you pick as the third pick in the draft if the first two are this right um, and then right. we just kind of like uh, um, kind of do like a little bit of a roundtable discussion and a collaborative piece, and the, those are a lot of fun. So I, I'm doing all, all of those. Um, I've got a podcast that I have called Carolina Fandom, which is all about the fans of Carolina sports, and that includes the Panthers, that includes the Charlotte Hornets, and uh, coming up in 2022, the uh, Charlotte uh, FC uh, soccer team, the first MLS team in Charlotte. So um very cool. I, I do that as well. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Check me out there. And, of course, on Twitter, at Jeff Hasley. Excellent. So you said you've been there since 07. When did football guys officially start? Oh, man. They were like 98, 99 or something like that. I, I, was, yeah. uh, I was part of the, uh, um, part of the I guess, the first wave maybe of, of original staffers that are there. Um, I was a big part of football guys before I was hired as a staff member, just kind of helping out and assisting and, and enjoying my time on the message board because that's what people did mm-hmm. before Twitter, right? Message boards were where right. it was at. So um, I, I did that and uh, I kind of uh, developed a little bit of a following there and I was thankful and lucky to uh, have um, uh, at least impressed David Dodds, one half of ownership of football guys, and uh, he was the one who invited me on to be a staff member, and the rest is kind of history. Yeah, that's very cool, and uh, that's right. It was like a forum to start, basically, right? I mean, it's, it's basically kind of what it was, right? Yeah, that uh, it started off, uh, what is it, uh, as like um, cheatsheets.net, something like that, you know, and then it kind of grew from there. There, uh, there was rankings, and um, uh, the message boards were a really huge piece of, of football guys back then, and, and they still are, but not to the extent that they used to be. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was how it was back then. 
Yeah, very cool. So he definitely knows a lot about football, right? He's been covering it for a long time, pays attention to a lot of it. We're going to get into all of that, but like we like to do every week on The Nerd, uh, is we're going to start out by highlighting a charity. And of course, Jeff got to choose who we were going to highlight this week, and it's a it's a really cool, and uh, you know, when he told me what it was, and I started taking a look at it, and it's it's really awesome. I mean, I have, you know, my son has cerebral palsy, so it hit home, it hit home for me, uh, but why don't you tell everybody what you chose, Jeff? So, yeah, my charity is uh, towards Miracle Park, which is a uh, park that's being built in my hometown of Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, It's been um, sponsored and partnered through the Carolina Panthers, as well as David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers. So that alone got me interested. But the park itself is uh, it's geared for people of all ages and abilities. And, uh, you know, that includes, well, everybody. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's an opportunity for people who. Uh, may have a disability who can go and still enjoy their their time either with themselves, with uh, other family members, friends, whatever. Uh, and to see that, you know, kind of come to fruition in my hometown uh, and, and knowing that the Panthers are a big part of that, plus my employer is also a sponsor uh, for that. Um, you know, that that was just something that I, I really wanted to uh, know, look, know more about and learn and uh, be a part of if I could. Yeah, I mean, it's very cool. And, you know, when it's and it's all part of like a, it's surrounded like around the Miracle League, right? It's kind of like the one of the things that oversees it. So there's like fields and things like that that are part of the park. And there are baseball fields that are specifically made for wheelchairs and things of that nature, right? So it's rubber right. turf. It's all types of things. So if people fall, they don't get hurt. And it's easier to maneuver, you know, if you if you're, need a walker, if you're in a wheelchair, all those kinds of things. And they, they get these kids out there playing baseball, which is awesome, right? You know, so this park thing is very cool. Um, you could still donate. It looks like they're getting very close in the fundraising, you know, it looks like there's like a million plus to go, but, um, you know, they're raising money still and they can use the support for the one there in Rock Hill. And, uh, you know, you can also go and check out the Miracle League, too. And uh, there's 240 organizations, I think it says, you know, worldwide. So you might even have one in your backyard. I know there's one, you know, here in California and, uh, you know, location, other locations. So it's a very cool organization. Like we always do, you know, you'll be able to find all the show notes. We'll have everything in there, how you guys can link up with them, you know, click right over and find ways to donate, find way, more about, out about it, you know, on all that kind of stuff. Anything else you want to mention about it, Jeff? Um, just that, you know, it's like, uh, it's like two miles from my house. So it's really close by. Um, it's, uh, uh, definitely a, a welcomed addition to the, to the, uh, to the city of Rock Hill and to the community, to the town here. Um, it's just another example of what they're doing. We know that, uh, the Carolina Panthers are building a practice facility in Rock Hill. That's already underway. That's going to be huge. Um, I think it's going to be more than just, um, more than just a practice facility. I think they'll have their training camps there. And and, uh, now that uh, David Tepper owns the Charlotte MLS team, uh, probably some uh, practice fields there as well. And uh, perhaps, um, you know, some tournaments there. Who knows what? Uh, But again, that's also going to be a really big piece of of Rock Hill. And I'm glad to see it uh, be constructed. And I can't wait to see what it's going to look like and and how that's going to affect the community. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously it's all things that are going to bring the community together, right? You'd you'd imagine, which is exactly what you want. So that's very cool. So should we head into some football stuff? I think I want to pick the brain of the fantasy guy. I got a couple questions about that kind of stuff. So you've been yeah. around in the industry since '07. So I kind of wanted to know if there's like one thing that really sticks out to you, like you've really seen like the change the most in the fantasy landscape, or just like something you're like, wow, I didn't really see that that coming, or you know, anything along those lines. I would say like the biggest thing would be just the addition of, of DFS. I mean, that talk about a huge boost to the fantasy industry. And, um, uh, you know, just that's not really something that I do a lot of anymore. I kind of used to, but that's kind of gotten watered down, in my opinion. And, and it's not necessarily my go to interest. But uh, the DFS um, addition to fantasy sports has been huge. Uh, if, I, if I don't say that, then maybe I guess. I mean, shoot, I remember when, like, the standard was, uh, you know, non-PPR, right? And then PPR kind of came into play, and now Superflex is, like, the big thing. Um, so I, I would say those three or four things is probably the biggest change that I've experienced in terms of the, the fantasy industry and, and uh, you know, just seeing things evolve as I have been a part of it. 
It's funny, right? Because fantasy leagues are so hard to win already. And then we just keep making them more difficult by like adding all these different aspects to it where now you have to, it's two quarterbacks. Now it's super flex where you can use whoever you want. And it's like, holy crap. Now I was still trying to figure out the first way, you know, and now yeah. we're doing all these other ways. But absolutely, as far as the fantasy industry goes, it's incredible, right? I mean, the more that it keeps coming out, you're seeing more and more things pop up. Underdog fantasy, like all these things are popping up that are just like so many different ways to consume football and have fun with it, and, you know, and do that. So it's very cool. So I wanted to touch base with you a little bit because I've been I've had quite a few of the football guys on lately, actually. So I've and I've been getting everybody's strategies, you know, like kind of picking everybody's brain a little bit about how they approach things. So when you're going into like a redraft, is that is that kind of your go to or do you are you more of a dynasty guy? No, actually, I'm probably more of a redraft guy. I I do do dynasty, um, but redraft. I just I prefer a little bit more because you're always drafting a new team. And uh, you can always, you know, if, if one thing doesn't work one year and let's try it again the next year. Right. And not have to necessarily start over. And I don't want to have like multiple, multiple dynasty teams or startups that I'm doing and then have to um, manage them all. Right. So uh, right. I, I like the redraft where I can just, um, you know, have a league, do it, participate, do the in-season management and end it and then start it over again. I, I like that. So um, I would say right. redraft is probably more my go to than dynasty. But I do it all. Cool. And so with that being said, what's what do you have like a main take? Like what's Jeff Hasley's approach to a redraft? Uh, I mean, a lot of it depends on where my draft slot is. Right. But for um, right. whether it's the, I'm the first pick or the sixth pick or the 12th pick. Right. I'm, my strategy usually is to is to have a balanced team and a balanced draft. When I say that, I mean, like the first Five picks, you know, I've got like running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, and tight end, right? And I'll wait on quarterback. Um, now, if I can get a great stud tight end early on, I'll, I will try for that, right? But if not, that's okay. And, and uh, you know, I just kind of will adjust my strategy from there. Um, but I, t- I tend to have a balanced team. And every now and then I'll have a running back, wide receiver, tight end, and, um, you know, and maybe another running back or something is my first four picks, right? So I, I don't usually ha- tend to do like a zero running back strategy or a zero wide receiver strategy. I tend to keep it balanced and that seems to work out for me. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like the, I think running backs are so important that I tend to, you know, try to load up on them in the first couple rounds, obviously, if I can, um, mm-hmm. especially in a redraft. I mean, I feel like guys are going get, they get hurt so often that it's, you, you get the bell cows that you can get and then you just hope that they stay, they can stay up for the whole season. Right. So do you um, ever like, what's the earliest you would take a quarterback in redraft? Uh, I would take like Patrick Mahomes in the fourth round if he were there. And if the opportunity okay. just presented itself, uh, that or Josh Allen slightly thereafter, um, I would uh, I would entertain that. You know, I don't know if you remember the, the year when Peyton Manning had 55 touchdowns and the year after everyone's thinking, oh, let's take him in the first round. Um, th- that wasn't me. I know a lot of people wanted to do that. He wound up getting 39 touchdowns that next year. But um, uh, I tend to wait on my quarterbacks unless there's just one that I can't pass up in the fourth round. And uh, I don't necessarily particularly like the other options at the other positions at that pick. Uh, I will generally right. wait. Uh, or and like if I if I let's just say I get Ty- Tyreek Hill in the uh, end of the first round or beginning of the second round, then I might really take a stretch and try to get Mahomes and get that Hill Mahomes stack. Um, that's a possibility too as well. So I mean it. It depends. I mean, I can't really necessarily go into a draft knowing this is what I'm going to do. It just uh, it just kind of unfolds as the as the right. draft goes on. Do you um, when you're just talking about the stack there, would you only do that if you because I mean, that's a pretty hefty stack you'd have to go after. Right. I mean, you're doing that one pretty early. Do you have any uh, stacks that you like in the later rounds? Oh, later round stack. Um, I guess maybe. Hmm. It would have to be like some sort of uh, probably a wide receiver, not a tight end um, that let me think who it might be. Maybe like a a Stafford Robert Woods or um, Mm. or or a Stafford Cooper Cup, something like that. Right. Where the offense, you know, the offense is going to be pretty good um, and you can get a quarterback and a lesser wide wide receiver for that. Um, I might do that or like a uh, Tom Brady and later round you know antonio brown 
Um, that's a possibility, right? So there's uh, there's a few. Um, I'm not necessarily loving that. I do love Antonio Brown's value late, late, late. But you also have to feel that uh, uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are also going to be a big part of that offense. So it's not like he's uh, monopolizing touchdowns. Um, I'll, I'll tend to go right. with a receiver who might be like a wide receiver too. Um, and you, let's let's throw in. Um, Gabe Davis here in this in this uh, format, right? Let's say you have Josh Allen and, and, you know, you missed out on Diggs. Well, maybe you like Davis or, or you know, something like that. Uh, Ryan Tannehill and Julio Jones. Um, there's I don't really have a specific late round stack that I'm targeting. Most of the time I'm, I'm targeting a, uh, uh, a top elite upper echelon type of stack if I if I'm going to do it that way. Otherwise, I'm, it might just be, well, who's my quarterback? And let me see if I can target a receiver who might be affiliated, you know, so. Uh, Russell Gage and Matt Ryan. I mean, that, that's not great, but that's not bad. Um, it just depends. I like it. So it sounds like you you pretty much are just you like to be fluid in in all of your drafts of what you're doing. Pretty much, you you kind of have to. You you kind of have to. I mean, there's there's certain aspects of uh, strategy where I am going to target uh, Travis Kelsey in the first round, no, no matter what. Right? Maybe the maybe the uh, the format suggests that. Uh, uh, tight end is a, is a better pick there. Um, or, uh, you know, Darren Waller that I might target as well. So, I mean, it, and, uh, and Derek Carr, that's a, that's actually a really interesting stack if you can get it, I think. Um, but I mean, we haven't really seen a whole lot of touchdowns from Waller to, to really kind of, uh, uh, cement that as a true stack. Um, I always look for, uh, for touchdown scores in my stacks rather than yardage. Um, but gotcha. Um, you know, I don't. Yeah, I just try to kind of play it by ear and uh, just kind of take the draft what's given to me, and you know, have a little bit of, um, you know, some players that I'm kind of targeting later that I could uh, potentially get at a at a at a value spot. But um, other than that, I just kind of yeah, I'm very fluid when it comes to uh, to the draft and not necessarily stay with one particular strategy. If there's one guy that I could say, hey, you can have this one guy at the draft spot that you want him out, who is it? <laughs> well, if I can get Calvin Ridley in the third round, I will definitely okay. do that. It'd have to be like early third because chances are he's going to be gone in the second. Um, but And now more and more people are starting to gravitate to Ridley. But I think that Calvin Ridley could be the wide receiver one this year, you know, the top wide receiver. So um i right. wrote an article in football guys about calvin ridley and and how i think he could be the number one wide receiver um and uh you know so i'm kind of standing by that so ridley would be my my most targeted player if i can get him okay so let me ask you one other thing in the fantasy land what's one thing you would tell people to not do when they're drafting uh, I would say never draft a quarterback and a tight end early one is okay, right? You can draft a quarterback early if you want to, and you can draft a tight end early if you want to, but don't do both. Don't do both. I mean, I've done that before, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't like this team at all, right? Because <laughs> unless you have a running back or wide receiver later on that you absolutely know is going to you know, uh, completely defy expectations and outperform their ADP, it's, uh, it's a risk. And uh, I would advise people, especially if you're not really, you know, um, uh, a savvy drafter, right? Um, don't do that. So that's what I tell people. You know, if, if you're going to draft a quarterback early, great. Just don't draft a tight end early as well because you're going to wind up shooting yourself in the foot. I like that. I haven't heard that yet from anybody. So that's a good one. I really like that one. So speaking of quarterbacks, I kind of want to segue, and this is actually um, in best balls lately. This has been a stack that I've been messing with lately is your QB one, I, I guess, is he's going to be Sam Darnold with Robbie Anderson kind of late later on. I've been I've been playing with that one because how, how do you feel about what's going on with your QB situation right now? Well, I mean, as far as Carolina is concerned, I mean, the, the, the quarterback situation in Carolina, it's all about potential. It really is. And, and, you know, Carolina uses a horizontal attacking, shallow cross type of offense where deep throws and stretching the field, that's not, that's not a common occurrence in, in Carolina's offense, uh, Joe Brady's offense. And, uh, I mean, if you look back at last year, this is one of the reasons why Teddy Bridgewater had such a high completion percentage. It was uh, 69%, uh, like second or third in the league, um, is because they're doing lots of shallow crosses, right? And, uh more than uh, more than often, more often than not, you see like a, 
I don't know, a, a shallow to intermediate type of pass where you're going to have a higher completion percentage. And that's what helped Carolina. Now, granted, they lost McCaffrey. He only played three games. But, um, uh, you know, they still employed that particular type of offense. And I, I think that's going to help Sam Darnold. Not only that, but I also think that Sam Darnold is uh, is going through a confidence booster as well. And, and it's amazing what confidence can do for a quarterback. Um, you know, if, if we can look at Sam Darnold with the Jets and think, you know, going back to his rookie year, I'm not sure he was really ready to start, even though he was such a high draft pick. I'm not sure he was quite ready, and he was kind of forced into that, and uh, the coaching situation and staff wasn't that great. His supporting cast wasn't that good, you know, the, the, uh, um, his complimentary receivers and such. Uh, just not really great for a rookie quarterback coming in. And uh, remember he had that seeing ghosts thing, you know, where uh, <laughs> that kind of got out and the New York media didn't help, you know. And Darnold's only 20, I think he just turned 24, He's only 24 years old, and uh, so he still has opportunity and time to uh, to better himself. How many times have we seen a quarterback kind of start off a little bit rough, uh, rusty, and then eventually they get better, right? Um, and that was either they moved to a different team. We saw this with Ryan Tannehill. In fact, it's associated with Adam Gase as well. Right. Um, <laughs> you move on from another team, and you do well. And I think we could see that from Sam Darnold. I'm not expecting it, but I, I think it's... it's uh, it, it's something that um, is definitely possible, possible and plausible uh, to see from Darnold. I, I just think that the confidence is going to uh, really help and improve him. Uh, that here's a coaching staff that handpicked him. Um, he is now in a completely different city, different media, different team, different coaching staff, different players, and uh, he's got that opportunity. What, what concerns me most, I guess, is the offensive line. Is that offensive line going to be good enough to stand up to, uh, you know, protect him and, um, you know, open holes for McCaffrey, um, be able to withstand the defensive pressure from the NFC South, which is kind of strong. So, um, yeah, I, it's all about potential. There's definitely potential there. As far as fantasy speaking, Darnold's like a mid-20s guy, uh, like mm-hmm. mid-20s in terms of quarterbacks off the board. Um, I think he probably will. Uh, exceed his uh, expectations in terms of his draft ADP, but we, we need to see it happen first. And, and, and if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't work for Darnold this year, I'm not sure if it ever will, because this is his make-or-break year, kind of like Daniel Jones, same thing, kind of like Tua Tungavaloa, right? Kind of the same thing. They're, they have opportunities, and now it's up to them to, uh, to come forth, and uh, we're, we're going to find out real quick if Darnold is, uh, is, is the right man for the job. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that like a thousand percent. I mean, he I, I don't feel like he was ever given a fair shake really with what was taking place. I mean, Adam Gase is a he's terrible at coaching. I mean, it's, it's been proven just in multiple locations, right? He's just not yeah. any good at it. And so I I think this is a phenomenal situation for Darnold as well. I don't think he could have found many better positions, actually. I mean, it's an up-and-coming coach who has a good system that I think is going to fit him. And this is easily the best wide receiver crew he's played with. And the best back he's had around him so and he's used to playing with a crap offensive line so I'm not sure that that will really bother him all that much but I'm kind of excited to see it happen because I do think I was there was part of me that was almost hoping that he would get left so much in the dirt after the Jets that he might be like the Bills backup quarterback because I don't think that he's terrible and he's young I mean and he was a really high pick and he played it you know at USC he played in a completely different system what they're asking him to do you know in New York and I think what he's going to do now is going to fit him a lot better so I'm kind of interested to see how it pans out. I think it's going to be a real good season for him, actually. So the other main piece, though, obviously, is it's the man behind him, right? I mean, so CMC is going to be back. Do you think we're going to see CMC, or is there going to be a little drop-off? What's your anticipation with him? I don't have any doubts whatsoever about McCaffrey. Um, I mean, he in three games that he did play, uh, he gained over 370 yards. He had 17 receptions, and he had six touchdowns in those three games. And all of them were losses. All of them were Carolina losses. There was a, a narrow loss to the Raiders, uh, which uh, resulted. It all came from a, and in fact, this was the first game of the year, a, uh, a failed fourth down conversion late in the game that Carolina was driving to take the lead with a field goal, and they, they, they couldn't get that fourth down conversion. It was like fourth and one, and, and they were short. It was horrible. Um, they lost to Tampa Bay on a second-half turnover that just kind of un, un, unraveled 
Uh, and then they lost to Kansas City on the road um, by missing a game-winning field goal. So those are all the three games that McCaffrey played. All three games were losses, but all three games could have been winners. And uh, they get McCaffrey back. Now, Carolina was 27th in the NFL in touchdown percentage in the red zone. So that's, that's something that needs to improve, and getting McCaffrey back hopefully will help that. Plus, that also wasn't necessarily Teddy Bridgewater's strength. And we're, we're kind of hoping that, uh, as far as Carolina faithful, we're hoping that uh, Darnold might be able to improve on that. Yeah. What do you? What's your take on the back that you drafted, uh, Chuba Hubbard? Chuba Hubbard. Have you heard anything uh, coming out of camp? Anything about him? What are you uh, thinking? Nothing quite yet, other than uh, just the fact that everyone's really excited about it. I don't. I don't know if you were, if you uh, recall the story about um, um, Matt Rule's wife telling Matt that don't don't you come home unless you draft Chuba Hubbard here, right? Because it was it was their pick to to uh, to take him, and uh, that's a true story. His wife actually said, you know draft Chuba Hubbard um, you have, because, no um, you know, they, of course, they, they came from Baylor, so they're familiar with his ability um, in, in college. And what was it, 2019, he had 2,000 yards rushing and 22 touchdowns, something like that. I mean, he was one of the top running backs in college. And then 2020 happened. He had kind of a little bit of a letdown, and, uh, and then he uh, opted out. Uh, as a result, and uh, he's just kind of uh, going into the draft with that 2019 uh, resume. So I'm a little concerned there, but the fact that he was able to do that, that's strong. And any running back in Carolina system, I think, is uh, someone that should be you should be aware of fantasy-wise. I mean, look at Mike Davis last year. Uh, Mike Davis right. turned into a uh, um, the go-to running back for Atlanta as a result of what he was able to do when McCaffrey <laughs> right. was out. So um, any running back in Carolina's offense is is going to succeed. And, and uh, you know, obviously McCaffrey is the top guy. But if he were to miss time, I think Chuba Hubbard would come in and and, and be uh, a, a exciting type of, uh, you know, replacement back that I think we can we can count on in terms of fantasy production. Well, and of course, he gets to learn from one of the best guys in the league, too. Right. I mean, if you get to hang out with a dude that's just absolutely awesome at it all the time, I think yeah, your level is naturally his, just going to increase. Right. And his work ethic and everything associated with that conditioning, all of that. Right. Exactly. Right. So we've got all that. You're getting CMC back. It's going to be a new look offense. There's a lot going on in the rest of the division. Where do you think you guys stand in the division? Well, I mean, in NFC South, I think it's all about the box. <laughs> I mean, they returned to everybody. Of course, Tom Brady's there. I mean, Tom Brady has participated in 18.5% of all Super Bowls ever played. Think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So, um, uh, yeah, there's a 50% chance that he reaches the Super Bowl just based off of his 20 years of experience in 10 Super Bowls. Uh, So there's a a good chance that Tampa's going to represent the NFC again. Um, so yeah, I think it's the Bucks, uh, and then maybe you put New Orleans second, but you know they have their own hurdles without Breeze. They've got to come over and uh, you know uh, discover what it's going to be like to uh, to win games without Breeze. Uh, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not a walk in the park for the Saints either. And and then I think it's Atlanta and Carolina, and and um, I also think that uh, you know defense is going to have to come into play here. Um, you know, which defense is going to stand out out of New Orleans, Carolina and Atlanta, whichever of the three teams has the better defense, I think is the team that's going to take second in the division behind Tampa Bay. Um, and unless something completely just derails with the Buccaneers, I think that's how it's going to go down. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I actually I have you guys three. I think Atlanta is going to come in, come in last again to just because they did not address their defense. And, uh, you know, and then they traded away like one of the greatest wide receivers in the league. But, yeah, I mean, you don't need him. So it's no big deal. But I, I actually think that you guys you, I like what's going on in Carolina. You know, I think it is on the up and up right now. I think it's trending in the right direction, at least after the first year under rule. It feels like it's trending in the right direction, and I think your defense is clearly better than what Atlanta is probably going to put out there. New Orleans, I, I'm curious to see what really happens with them because I, I do have a little faith in what they could pull off just because their defense was good, and they do have good offensive weapons, right? And I, Sean Payton's a good football coach, so I'm curious to see what happens with them, but Tampa bringing everybody back, I mean, it makes it difficult. And it's it's fun to actually, and I feel bad saying this to you almost, but it's fun to listen to somebody else have to feel the torment of having Tom Brady in your division so it almost feels helpless like when you're coming into the season it's like yep 
Tom's still here. Yeah. Okay, so next year maybe. <laughs> like it's I so know. fun. But the whole, the so whole it's very cool. He's waiting for him to retire. Absolutely, everybody is. So if you could just pick like one player in the league that you think is going to have like kind of like a breakout season or something this year, who do you think it would be? Ah, wow, a breakout year. Um, well, the, the, I told you the guy that I love the most is Ridley. Um, so I, I'm, I'm big on him. Um, I, I hate to put, do a, a homer pick here, but I really like Terrace Marshall with Carolina. Um, I, I think that we're going to be pleasantly surprised. I mean, the only downside for him is his foot ankle injuries that he kind of suffered in college. That was one of the reasons why he fell to the second round. And uh, I mean, he's, he's first round talent and he comes from wide receiver U at LSU where we've seen, you know, great receivers come from. And, and uh, so he has that pedigree. Uh, he has that ability. And the thing is with, with Marshall is we don't really know exactly how good he can be because we really didn't see too much of him. I mean, he scored 23 touchdowns in the last 19 games. And, yeah, some of that was with Joe Burrow. But he also did it this past year with three unknown quarterbacks at LSU who were trying to, you know, find their way onto the field. So, And, and then, of course, he opted out for the rest of the year. Um, but uh, Marshall is a touchdown scorer. And one thing that Carolina does not have is t- a touchdown scorer as far as a wide receiver. You've got DJ Moore, who has played three years in the league. He's got 10 touchdowns in, in three years. Never had more than four touchdowns in a season. Robbie Anderson, he had 11 touchdowns with the Jets. You know, And with Carolina, that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, they scored a lot of rushing touchdowns last year, Carolina did. And uh, with McCaffrey on board as well, you know, he's getting a lot of those touches in the goal line too. But um, Marshall, I think, is someone who could very, very quietly – surprise and be a uh, a leader in touchdowns for the uh, Panthers wide receiver core. So I like Marshall and um, I, I think he's someone actually who could potentially overtake Robbie Anderson's role. Uh, and that may not happen until next year because Anderson's a free agent, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see um, Marshall, if, if, if he picks things up well and he, you know, kind of picks, uh, takes, takes over where he left off with uh, Joe Brady and LSU uh, if, you know, if that goes well, I think we're going to start to see him see a little bit more uh, of the field. But uh, it's early. It's still very early. I just like his ability. And uh, in this shallow uh, shallow cross, a horizontal attacking offense that Carolina has, he's a, he's a perfect fit. I did not know that uh, that DJ Moore stat of only 10 touchdowns over the three years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, DJ that's Moore rough. does everything well. He does everything well except score touchdowns. That's very uh, interesting. It, only Calvin Ridley and Stefan Diggs had more games of 90 yards receiving last year than, than DJ Moore. Um, that's so, because I felt when you said, I feel like he's always up there in the in the fantasy points and everything. So it was weird when you said it was only 10 touchdowns. I was like, oh, really? Because yeah, it I mean, feels if, like he's always he, up there. If he has like seven, eight touchdowns in, in, in a year, which isn't, you know, that's not like considered elite wide receiver. He's up right. into that lower wide wide receiver one type of uh, territory. That's the type of category that he would be in right now um, if he would score touchdowns. He's just not. And um, for whatever reason, you know, I mean, he's uh, last year he had his highest yards per catch at uh, 18.3, 18.1, something like that. So, I mean, he does really well after the catch, and that's one of the reasons why it's so high. But for whatever reason, he's just not getting in the end zone. And I think a lot of that also has to do with McCaffrey. But, um, you know, take it for what you want. That's, right. uh, that's, that's, a, that's what's holding that's a, DJ Moore back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, McCaffrey, when he's scoring, he's scoring all the touchdowns. I mean, you're giving it to him at the 35-yard line, he's running it in. You're giving him at the 10-yard line, he's running it in. I mean, he's just, he's so good. I, I right. agree. That's interesting. So let me, last season we had a guy, I would say, that had a breakout season in Josh Allen, right, in Buffalo. So do you think that there's a lot of people right now that are like, he can't do it again, right? He's going he's gonna to drop back. What, what are your thoughts on Josh Allen this season? Do you think he can repeat that? Oh, yeah. I think he could be the top quarterback in the league, um, even ahead of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the reason why is because he's he's got a dual threat ability, and that's what makes him one of the better fantasy quarterbacks in the league. Not only can he run, but he can also pass, and he passes well, and he can pass for distance. So, I mean, his air yards is up there. And for his ability to run in addition to all of that and have a uh, elite wide receiver on the team, 
Uh, yeah, that, that says a lot. So, yeah, I think that uh, there's definitely a strong possibility that he could end up in the top three, if not the, the top quarterback in the league. Yeah, I mean, he's he seems to have it all together so far. And I mean, they, not much change with the Bills either, really. I mean, they brought most of the pieces back, lost John Brown, brought in Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you know, there's I think it's a very similar team, right? So he should be very comfortable in the situation. Stephon Diggs, I don't I don't see him really slowing down this season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Cole Beasley in the in this offseason stuff. And then, you know, who who do you like behind Stephon Diggs, right? Because he's pretty pricey and he's the stud, right? So a lot of people go after him. Is there a Bills wide receiver behind him that you would say, yeah, yeah I'm going to latch onto that guy? Um, uh, well, I mean, you've got Beasley. Cole Beasley is someone who uh, is, is a very interesting possibility late in, in the in drafts. I mean, you can have him as your fifth receiver and, and probably do pretty well with that. So, I mean, the value is there. Now, the question, though, is he's talked about retirement and this and that. And, uh, you know, what, what is uh, what's Gabriel Davis going to do? I mean, that's not necessarily his role. Beasley has that role. And then what is it? Isaiah McKenzie, who could potentially come mm-hmm. in and, you know, kind of steal some thunder there. But um, it's for the most part, it's Diggs. And I, I see Diggs as someone who's a candidate for the the number one wide receiver role because there's not really that second wide receiver who is going to, you know, have a tremendous target share with Diggs. I think Diggs is by far the, the, the clear top target, the clear top receiver uh, on the team. And that includes running backs, tight ends, receivers, everything. So whenever you, you have a player like that, there's a real strong ability or a strong case for that player to, uh, to finish as the wide receiver one overall in terms of fantasy. Out of the last five years, that's happened four out of the last five where a, a wide receiver... Uh, the wide receiver one has had like vir- virtually zero competition from the next closest wide receiver on the team. And uh, I kind of see that with Diggs. Yeah, I mean, this it's a good point. I saw earlier uh, somebody put out a stat that, you know, against man, he was, you know, the per routes run, he had the most catches and the most yards, you know, against man in when we're putting four wide receivers out there, he's going to see so much man that it's like you, it's, it's hard to not see him being able to repeat that. Now, maybe the catches might not be the same, but I feel like the yards are still going to be there. And I feel like the touchdowns are still going to be there for him this year as well. This offense, I mean, unless it has like a major, major, like just fall apart. I, I, I see like a very similar thing happening again this year, right? Like the numbers might not be exactly the same, but I think they're going to be pretty darn close. Yeah. So what do you think about what the, the Bills win the division again this year? Or do you think that, you know, New England uh, bringing back their defense and, you know, going spending a ton of money, bringing in probably two of the better tight ends in the league? You know, you got Miami. I, I really like Brian Flores. I think he's a good coach. And I do feel they're trending in the right direction. But what do you think? I think Buffalo has it. I don't want to say they've wrapped up, but I think they're the uh, odds-on favorite to win the division. Uh, Miami being a close second. And uh, not to forget about New England as well. But... Um, yeah, I think Buffalo probably wins 13, 14 games, um, and uh, they take the division. So uh, I'm, I'm on their side. Yeah, I think you have to be because you're Carolina. So, you know, there's the whole Carolina to Buffalo. Every time somebody leaves Carolina, they have to go to Buffalo, basically, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. they, well, they plus, pick I grew up, up every a Bills time. fan, too. I, I grew up in Western New York, and uh, I used to have season, season tickets to the Bills way back. Excellent. So really, um, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm a big fan. I've been to their uh, their training camp um, in uh, in Fredonia as well as in St. John Fisher, uh, you know, a couple times. So um, growing up in Rochester, uh, you know, I was okay. always a big Bills fan. Yeah. So I grew up in Fillmore, you know, not not too far from me there in, in Rochester is about an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so let, let me ask you overall then. So we the Bills are going to win the division. This AFC is stacked, I think. You know, I, I think it's incredible how many good teams are going to p- potentially be up there again this year. Where do you think the Bills stand in the overall in the AFC? Are they going to be back in the AFC championship? Do you think they've done enough to potentially get Kansas City? Or is this still Kansas City's show? Um, I mean, it's possible. If, if Buffalo can get a home game, you, you never know. Um, I mean, Kansas City, you beat Kansas City on the road. That's where you can do it. Um, Shoot, I would say Kansas City is their is their top target in terms of uh, competition. Um, you know, you can look at uh, the Titans or the Colts or someone like that who could potentially be a thorn in their side. Um, Baltimore, even possibly, right? But I think I think Kansas City is the team to 
the team to beat. And Kansas City is probably saying the same about Buffalo. So they're right there. They're like neck and neck. They're 1A and 1B, I think, in the AFC. Yeah. Um, where do you have Cleveland? I actually like Cleveland. I think Cleveland's going to take the division uh, in, in, a, in a tight battle. Um, but uh, I, I like Cleveland. I'm, I'm not sure if they're, you know, I don't know if they're hugely uh, uh, popular in terms of a playoff, you know, favorite. But um, they're, they're, a, they're a team to watch for sure. Um, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't quite have that experience capital that, say, the Chiefs have. And even Buffalo is starting to have. Um, so they're a little bit young in that in that regard, um, but they're they're on their way. They're moving. So Cleveland is one to watch out for. I do think that Cleveland's going to win the division over Baltimore, and I think Pittsburgh's going to. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to fall off. I think they actually could be a surprise team that we're like, what happened to Pittsburgh? So um, yeah, that, that's that's my take as far as the AFC and, and where Cleveland fits in the in the mix. Yeah, that's that's me 100%. I agree with that completely. I, I Baltimore lost too many defensive pieces for me. Cleveland is getting defensive pieces which they needed and yeah, I agree Pittsburgh. I they they're done. I feel like they're just done. I feel like they're going to be finishing fourth in the division this year. I I, I mean it's I possible I'm not, and I'm everyone, surprised. Everyone probably thinks, well, Mike Tomlin will put it together. He always does, right? But at, at some point you don't. At some right. point, you know, the uh, the tide has to turn, and I think that's kind of happening with Pittsburgh, despite the fact that they've got some great players on that team. Right. They probably have one of the – they have a, probably a, a bottom five offensive line. Ben Roethlisberger's getting older. If he has to miss games, good luck. And um, and that also means that the receiving core is going to take a, a, a hit. So – I mean, Najee Harris is good. He's a good running back, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what he does in the NFL. We'll see what he does behind that offensive line and, and uh, with um, the new offensive coordinator in, in Pittsburgh. I, you know, we just got we don't know what we're going to see. And just the only thought the only thought I have is Ben Roethlisberger sitting on that bench, you know, kind of moping and wallowing in his own self pity. And um, <laughs> that's 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 kind of what's in my head right now. It looked like that was his last game. He's going to retire. He's done. All right. We'll see you. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you again for your gold jacket. And, uh, that's it. Thanks, Ben. Um, right. Have you seen the photo floating around already of him after practice? He's like all iced up on the shoulder. Both knees are iced up. Like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't look good. Nothing looks promising about having your quarterback ice up during walkthroughs and barely running around (laughs) and stuff. Right. So like, it's tough. Good luck, seventeen yeah. games. That's right. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm kind of okay with it because I, I I like the transition that's kind of taking place. Right, we're seeing some new teams up at the top, and it's making the NFL fun again. And it's it's not just the same old Pittsburgh and New England and all this kind of nonsense, you know. So I, I mm-hmm. enjoy it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's head, let's head over into the nerding out session. I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit off of football, even though your answers are football, and we're asking some football questions. But the first thing I wanted to ask you, Jeff, is do you have like a sports book that you would recommend that, that you've read that you were like, hey, you know, this is a very cool book, anything like that? All right, so I'm I'm actually kind of glad you asked me that because uh, there's a there's a guy on the football guy staff. His name is Jeff Tiefertiller, and uh, his son is what is he now? Fifteen. His son, uh, and he's writing his second book on uh, fantasy football predictive analytics and he's 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 only 15 um and uh, it's a great book it's a wonderful book and uh he asked me to uh review it and also write a foreword for it so um i'm have uh that that's coming so that's definitely something you want to check out uh it's called fantasy football predictive analytics you'll be able to get it on amazon and everything i'm sure it'll it'll make its way around twitter and I'll, i'll promote it um but that's that's a book that um, it's it's a great fantasy book, and it was written by a 15 year old. You, I almost don't want to say that because it's so good, you know. But um, that, it's uh, it's definitely something to uh, to read. And if you like analytics, you like stats, data, information, tables, uh, it's outstanding. So it, it's kind of like his um, uh, perspective of of uh, the the 2021 fantasy season, what he likes in terms of strategies, the players that he likes, and why. And it's all kind of data contrived. So uh, check that out. That's coming. Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics by Reese T. Fertiller. That's awesome. Very cool. That's that's one of the better suggestions I've heard so far. Awesome. I like <laughs> yeah. that. You should have so him on your this show. One, this the, kid is, the kid is smart. I mean, I remember when he was seven years old and uh, he's spitting out these Super Bowl trivia questions. I'm like, how do you really? know this? 
<laughs> you know? So uh, he he, uh, he takes like his dad. Uh, he's he's going to be in the uh, the fantasy industry, I, I have a feeling, you know, just kind of writing, even if it's just part-time doing stuff, um, I can totally see him, you know, being in, in that uh, corner of the world. That's awesome, especially at that age. It's cool, and that's what the cool thing about fantasy, right? It's a, it's so in in front of everybody now, and everybody knows how much they love it, and you can do so much with it. You can look at it from so many different angles, and like you know, try to find different things. So it's very cool, and I would definitely have to check that one out when it comes out. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, what do you love about football, Jeff? Like, what brought you to it? What made you want to be like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do every day. I'm going to start just writing about football, talking about it. Uh, for me, it's just I mean, football. I love football. It's a total team sport, so I enjoy that. But I mean, as far as the live aspect of the game, you just never know what's going to happen. You know, you, you could have uh, a you can have a play become a moment that is just forever remembered. You know, like the Stefan Diggs miracle touchdown in Minneapolis against the Saints. Um, I mean, you name it. The the Santonio Holmes catch in the Super Bowl. Um, whatever it might be, there's always something, and and uh, almost like weekly we see it, and it seems like games always come down to the end, you know, or we have overtime games, or uh, a game is decided in the fourth quarter, whoever's the last team with the ball. Um, seems like Monday night games are, we see that all the time, or, or any, like, Sunday night game, you know, we're, you're getting a good matchup, and you're, you've, uh, you've got a great audience for this game, and, uh, now that we're, of course, we're going to have fans back in the stands, it's going to be even better. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, in my opinion, it's just that the I think it's just the and I I feel this way with sports in general, but with football, I just love football. Uh, you just never know what's going to happen, and uh, that's what keeps me excited and coming back for more. It's like okay, I want more. I want more of that, and uh, that's what makes me uh, you know an excited fan in terms of. You know, wanting to watch all the time. I'll watch the Sunday night game. I'll watch the Monday night game. I'll watch as many Sunday day games as I can. You know, it's just, it's fun. I enjoy it. And then you throw the fantasy side into that, and it just makes it even that much more enjoyable watching the games. Absolutely. I mean, it's it is it's it's incredible what the game can do. And just like even if you're like having a bad day or whatever, it's fun to just sit down and catch a game. And there's always going to be something exciting happening. You're going to see an incredible play. Somebody's going to do something really cool, you know, or just make an amazing, amazing throw, catch, whatever it may be. So awesome. So besides the Carolina Fandom podcast, do you have a favorite podcast? Um, I, I mean, probably my old standby, The Audible, which is a football guys podcast with Sigmund Bloom, Cecil Lammy, Matt Waldman, Gene Brammel. I mean, they do a great job of breaking stuff down, um, sharing their opinions, which are so valuable. Um, and it's great to listen to Sigmund, great to listen to Matt Waldman talk. I mean, they, I could listen to them talk about football all day long. And then you throw Gene Brammel in there, giving us the updates on injuries and such. So mm-hmm. uh, the Audible is just uh, it's my mainstay. It's what I grew up with in terms of this industry. And, you know, of course, it helps to, to know the guys who are doing it as well. So uh, they're, they're good guys. Uh, you know, I've met them several times um, and uh, I, I enjoy working with them and I enjoy listening to their podcast. So if you haven't uh, checked out the Audible, you should do so. Absolutely. I've definitely heard it a few times. <laughs> it's a good one. So, Jeff, you got one moment. In football history or in player or anything that just sticks with you when you just think about it, you can't get rid of it every time. It's just like, man. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Maybe like the tuck rule game. Because if you think about mm. the tuck rule game, first of all, when that happened and, you know, that snowy game, you know, New England and, and the Raiders, so it was a wild card game, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, uh, you know, it comes down to that play, which totally looked like a fumble. And, uh, you know, uh, the Raiders would have won the game. They would have gone on to play Pittsburgh the next week because Pittsburgh was the number one seed. They probably don't win that game, right? Um, even if they do win that game, then they're going to probably have to face the Rams, who were 14-2 and two that year. They outscored their opponents by 14 points each game. Um, so, yeah, they're probably not winning that game. But, I mean, if it wasn't for the tuck rule, do we have the same level of of interest and dynasty value of, of Brady and, and Bill Belichick? You know, I don't know. I mean, you could probably say, yeah, yeah, they're still going to do the, what they do and, and, you know, everything. But, I mean, there's the slight possibility that maybe they don't, you know, if they don't win that game. Right. So that kind of started the, the Patriots dynasty. And, 
I don't think it was fair. I, I still don't agree with that tuck rule game. I just don't. And uh, but whatever, you know, I, I put me on the side of the Raiders here. But uh, yeah, I think that was a fumble. I think the Raiders win that game, and you know, Tom Brady doesn't have his uh, start to his wonderful career. Right. No, and I think there's a ton of people that agree with you on that one. So before we get ready to head out of here, Jeff, is there anything that you want to shout out? Anything that you're working on? Anything you got coming up? Anything that you want to kind of throw out there? Well, I mean, I've, I've got some articles on football guys um, about Calvin Ridley. I always think uh, he can be the number one wide receiver. Uh, Antonio Gibson, who I really like this year. Um, and uh, DJ Moore got an article coming out on DJ Moore, which I'm just kind of finishing up. So that's coming. Um, of course, I do lots of other things on Football Guys with the, the uh, collaborative pieces with staff. So check that out as well. My rankings are there. Just everything, really, associated with the site. Um, uh, so check that out. Check out footballguys.com. Um, and uh, for Carolina fans, I've got my Carolina Fandom podcast uh, coming up. We're talking about the Charlotte MLS team that is taking center stage in 2022. So people who, if you like soccer and you're in the area, you like Carolina, um, listen, and uh, you know I'm excited to have some some great people on to talk about that, and uh, looking forward to that. So yeah, that's, there's a little plug in for my for my local podcast. Love it, awesome. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for hanging out with me today, man. I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, everybody listening in, thanks a lot. Wouldn't be having a show without you guys. So you know, make sure you're sharing it around. Everything that I'm up to, you guys can find over at thebuffalonerd.com. So just head over there. All the shows, you know, we've had some awesome guests on, including Jeff tonight. So you guys need to go check all that stuff out. Be safe out there. Uh, let's get ready to have an awesome season, guys. See you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.